So if I have $100,000 in my traditional IRA that's pre-tax, if I give it to you, Ben, when you withdraw the money, you'll have to pay income tax. So you may only get 70000 of that 100000 okay. The other 30000 will go to the IRS. If we give it to the charity, they get to keep all of it. Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. Welcome in to Complete Estate Planning. I'm Ben George alongside Nick Rosenbauer, estate planning attorney and the owner of Rosenbauer Law Office. You'll find him in Westchester, but he's serving the greater Cincinnati area, Southern Dayton, that type of area and beyond. But if you ever want to find anything on Nick, anything we talk about on the show, as always, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com is the website. And today we're focused on charitable giving. It might be something that's near and dear to your heart, might be your goal for your estate plan is to give it back to a charity that's close to you. So we're going to talk about how that plays into it, different types of donations, the ways you need to do it. Nick's even got a pro tip for you today on the show. So plenty to get to on the podcast. Nick, how's it going? Doing great. Doing great, Ben. Um, I don't know how things are in your neck of the woods, but the world is slowly starting to open up. Um, a couple yeah. weeks ago, and we're, we're actually recording this in mid-June, uh, just for depending on when people will be listening. Um, but a couple weeks ago, the governor, um, I guess, relaxed the rules. And now most of the places around here have new signs or restrictions that say, um, people who are fully vaccinated don't have to wear a mask anymore. Um, so I have, I'm seeing people's faces indoors, and it's very strange. <laughs> I will have to admit, but uh, mm-hmm. it's starting to look a little bit more normal. And then Ben, actually, I don't know if you're a, a soccer fan. I don't know if you're, you know, cultured enough to love the world's game. Um, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> FC Cincinnati, our MLS team, I just uh, a couple weeks ago went to a live sporting event for the first time in well over a year. Um, they opened their nice. new stadium and they had a game a few weekends ago that uh, my wife and I went to. And it was very, very strange, but in such a good way. And I, I don't know, Ben, it's one of those things you just take it for granted because my wife and I were season ticket holders for UD basketball. Obviously, we won the national title a couple years ago. Um, and then also for FC Cincinnati. And it's one of those things, I guess you just take it for granted until it's not there for, you know, 14, 16 months. I almost, I almost got emotional. I almost wanted to tear up when we, when we got <laughs> into the new stadium and sat down because it had been so darn long. Yeah. Um, and I just remember, I always think sports is the great, the great unifier. Right. Um, everyone can have fun and you can be the, the chemist, the PhD, you can be the janitor, you can be the Democrat, the Republican, the rich guy, the poor guy, the old guy, the young guy, but we can all cheer our team on mm-hmm. uh, one and the same. Uh, so I, I think it's good to be back. So that was that was quite a I used to think that was normal, but uh, but it was pretty <laughs> fantastic. So I guess I guess that's a good thing. I guess things are looking up. Yeah, it's great to hear. I think uh, it's it's like that everywhere. I haven't been back in a full stadium yet, but. Uh, it's only a matter of time, but I have been back to a couple of places, the smaller venues, but mainly for work and stuff. So 
I, I'm looking forward to that as well. But yeah, it seems like everywhere is kind of getting back on track. But getting there. Uh, along with that, though, how is uh, how's the move? I know you mentioned getting a new house. So how's how's that going? <sighs> you don't have to get into well, you don't have to get into much detail. <laughs> but I, I want to make sure we we checked on you. Well, it's it's a little too early to to have a drink, um, but <laughs> that we, sums it up we, right there. Yeah, we got moved in, so now that we're in, I'm good. Um, the move itself was tough, even with hiring movies uh, movers. It was so darn hot. We picked the worst weekend, and you know I'm taking electronics and jewelry and hanging clothes in my car, right? Because you don't throw those in the big mover truck, mm-hmm. and then. You know, there's four cicadas just sitting there on top of my suits that are all hanging in the the back seat of my car because we had peak cicada weekend. Uh, so they're buzzing around, and I have to check all of my suits and my dress pants before I bring them in the new house. It was. We picked a great time to move, but now that we're in, uh, we still have to unpack, which is a little bit annoying, and patch up the walls where yeah. I you know, bang things up moving, but <laughs> it's overall, it's good. Um, right. and three car garage isn't bad. Nice. You should get one of those. If nice. you don't, if you don't have one of those, um, you should get one of those. Maybe not now because all the building and lumber prices are crazy, but, uh, when prices come back to normal, yeah, I don't hate the three car garage. I will have to, uh, <laughs> I will have to say that. I've got a so. one car garage, Nick. So I'm on the outside looking in the wife, uh. the wife gets to park in, in inside. Yeah, that's, that's probably eventually. not going to change. Um, but when you do, if you get the two-car, don't get the two-car garage with the one door that's wider because that's really still a one-car garage if you have any <laughs> tools or want to put anything. Right. I got spoiled growing up. Um, my parents, my, my dad's actually retired remodeler, so he and a couple of uh, the family members built a three-car, two-story detached garage and three separate is 40 feet by 30 feet, so it's massive. And everyone had their own door, and I always got to park inside until I went to law school and got my apartment. Um, so I was a little spoiled, but I, 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 the garage is not bad. I've never heard a guy say, my garage is too big. That's yeah, all I'll no. say about that. So Exactly. <laughs> All right, we well, made it. Yeah. We made it. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Hopefully, you'll get settled in pretty soon and the cicadas will be gone and everything. Life will be back to normal altogether. Who knows? But today, <laughs> we're talking about charitable giving. If you haven't joined us before, make sure you visit the website, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. We're going to put this website there. All of our other shows are up. A lot of resources are up there as well. But more importantly, if you want to sit down and talk with Nick about what we're talking about today or just want to get your estate plan started, there's a big uh, button right there on the front page. You can schedule an appointment now and get that process started. So charitable giving. This is uh, I don't know if we've really kind of covered this aspect of estate planning get on the podcast, but uh, I think this is a big part of it because a lot of people do have you know these these causes that are close to them and and they think about these charities throughout their life and give to them but a lot of times you know they use that estate as a way to really give a, a big gift and leave a legacy with an an organization that's really close to them so i guess let's start with kind of the types of donations that are out there nick i i i'm sure there's a lot of different ways you can do this um but maybe some of these things people aren't too aware of Exactly. So there's more than one, Ben, there's more than one way to go about it. And first, uh, let me clarify, what I'm talking about here are gifts after you pass away. So gifts during lifetime. So the check that I leave in the collection basket at church, 
on Sunday, and then my wife and I we we donate to a number of causes uh, around the holidays, around Christmas time every year. Because I'm uh, let's just say I'm a sucker for children ever since my son was born. So we 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 donate most most of our causes are helping out underprivileged children, and you know the Jesse Tree, and we go to Walmart and fill up three carts worth of. Uh, worth of toys for for little ones who, you know, otherwise wouldn't have a great Christmas. So that's that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about an inheritance, if you will, to a charity after someone passes away. Okay. So there's a number of ways to go about it. Um first you have a a direct kind of outright cash gift to a specific organization. Can either be a dollar amount or a percentage of the estate. Um, so it could be something, or the church we go to, I could say $10,000 to St. Maximilian Colby Church in Liberty Township, Ohio. Okay, that's one way, and it's probably the most common. Or you could have uh, an outright cash gift to an organization, but with some directions or some conditions on its use. So I could do something to my old high school, like $10,000 to Covington Latin School, to specifically be used towards the athletic department or something like that um, if I wanted to, you know, to give the money to my old high school, but I wanted to make sure that they used it towards the athletic department or, you know, as a scholarship for for children with financial needs or something like that. Um, That's another option. The third option, a little more complicated, you can either hold a gift back, maybe in trust or in a private foundation or some sort of ongoing entity or institution with some sort of a, a regular reoccurring distribution, Ben. So it's not okay. all at one time. Um, so I've had times where people would say, you know, set aside, we we'll use round numbers here for lawyer math, set aside $100,000 um, and then give 5% of that a year towards Covington Latin School, you know, to be used, uh, you know, a a $5,000 scholarship every year. So it's something like that. So we don't give them all the money all at one time. And then two years from now, it's gone. So if you wanted to set aside, and typically you need to do a larger amount there if you want something that will, you know, have investment gains or growth, um, if you want it to be sustainable. So basically you know, a slow burn, if you will, as opposed to giving the money all at once. And it can be a percentage each year that gets paid out. So 5% of what's in the pot per year gets paid out for scholarships. Or you can do something where every year, whatever the interest earned or the investment gains are that year get paid out so that the principal balance stays at 100000 And theoretically, Ben, if you do something like that, it should go on forever. Okay, okay, so that's the long-term play. Um, another thing, the fourth option would be a non-monetary gift. So if you wanted to gift your house, maybe to a uh, or you know a a warehouse, you know, to a charitable organization, or you wanted to gift stock, or you wanted to gift some cars. Um, one of the things I have people that do is they'll gift a, if they have a neat collection of something, maybe a car collection or you know a collection of you know World War II memorabilia, um, and they want to donate it to a local museum uh, or something like that when they pass away. I know we have um, we have Wright Patterson Air Force Base not too far from here, so if we had some old World War II you know, um, U.S. Army memorabilia. Yeah. 
maybe that's something that the uh, Wright Pad Air Force Museum may want. So a non-money gift, um, something like that. You can also have collectibles that you gift those directly to a, a non museum charitable organization and then they would just sell it okay. um, and you would allow them to do that okay so those are basically the four uh, the four categories the four ways uh, that you would make some sort of a donation after you pass away do, do the people you work with kind of prefer one or the other or is it just kind of all of what you have just individual to, individual by individual um I will say the most common is probably an outright one-time gift, either give my church $10,000 or the second most common would be give them $10,000 to be specifically used for fill-in-the-blank. I would say gifting uh, long-term recurring gifts are less common. Typically, and not to sound crass, but typically a reoccurring gift will need You'll have to give a significantly larger amount um, in order to have the money and the investment gains for a long-term gift to continue. But you know, people who want to leave a legacy or something like that, certainly it can be done. But I would say the, out, the first two options are the most common. But again, it depends on the circumstances. It depends on how much you want to give. And it depends on how much control or say-so the donor wants to have and how the money is used. Gotcha. Okay. So we know what what's out there, what types of donations are most typical. How how do you execute these? I'm sure there's different ways in order to, to pass these on. Exactly. Um, number of ways to go about it. And of course, it depends on how the gift is being done. Um, but you could write it into a last will and testament. Typically, this will only work for an outright direct gift. So I could put in my will $50,000 to St. Max Colby Church. Um, it'll only work for a direct gift, obviously. The, the will doesn't have a good way to have a long-term ongoing gift. If you use some sort of a trust, uh, which a number of my clients do, you can actually, within a trust, set up any of these types that we talked about. They can have outright gifts. They can have gifts with directions or conditions on how it's to be used. You can have ongoing reoccurring gifts, and you can, with the trust, you don't have a timeline. So you could put something in a trust that says, half of my estate is given to Covington Latin School, and 5% a year of the principal uh, goes to the school to help uh, scholarships for underprivileged children or something like that. So a trust actually can be written to accomplish this any way you want. One option that's a little more complicated you could technically set up your own charity or private foundation. There's a lot more that goes into that. You have to file with the IRS um, to get nonprofit status. Um, There's certain filings that have to be done every year. So typically, if you want to do this, we're talking more money and kind of an ongoing longer mission that is above and beyond write a check for this purpose. Okay, But I know people who have done that and then they use some of the money for that private foundation or charity. Another thing you can do, um, and maybe some of our listeners are not aware of this, um, but there's something called a donor-advised fund out there. And what that is, is that's a charitable fund uh, held within an institution. So Fidelity, Charles Schwab, Merrill Lynch, they all have these accounts where you can set up a donor-advised fund. 
So long story short, it's a gift that you give now, so you can write it off on your taxes during life, but it is basically uh, an alternative for setting up a private charity or a foundation. So the gift is given, and there are specific rules, and a certain amount has to be distributed each year, but the donor, so the client, is allowed to instruct the institution where the money should go, how much of it should go there, what it should be used for. Um, So basically, it allows you to give the gift now, but you still have some control over it as if it was still yours. Um, And you don't have to set up a separate foundation or a filing or anything like that. And selfishly, you get to enjoy the tax benefits while you're still alive. Um, So that's something that a number of my clients do. The last way would be just a direct naming of a charity as some sort of a beneficiary under an account, IRA, something like that. So you could just name uh, Covington Latin School as the 100% beneficiary of my IRA. Now, one thing to note, charitable bequests, as long as it's a legit charity and not, you know, your brother's blog website or anything like that, obviously assuming it's a legitimate charity, charitable bequests are not subject to income tax. So if I have $100,000 in my traditional IRA that's pre-tax, if I give it to you, Ben, when you withdraw the money, you'll have to pay income tax. So you may only get 70000 of that 100000 okay. The other 30000 will go to the IRS. If we give it to the charity, they get to keep all of it. They don't have to pay any. They're income tax exempt. So if I give $100,000 to my church, when they withdraw it, they keep all 100000 They don't have to pay money to the IRS. So your money can go further uh, that way. It, there's more mileage to it, if that makes sense, um, yeah. because that is pre-tax money. So if you give 100000 to a human, they'll have to pay income tax on 100000 If you give that 100000 to the charity, they keep all of it. So that's a way to stretch this out a little bit, if you will. So those are the main ways to go about it, uh, the ways to get the money from point A to point B when you pass away. Gotcha. Well, I promised everyone that you would provide a pro tip (laughs) on today's show, Nick, so don't let me down. Uh, I will do my best. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No pressure, right? Um, So obviously, it's always a good idea to research these organizations, okay, especially for giving a large gift. Um, There's a lot of fraud and a lot of scamming out there. Uh, I know there are websites and you know, basically fake websites and fake organizations that try to get your money pretending to be somewhere else. Um, so it's almost identity theft of a charity, uh, for lack of a better term. So it's always a good idea to research these organizations. And if it is a large gift that you're making or an ongoing gift, it's not a bad idea to have a conversation with the church, the charity, the school, the museum or what have you, about what your wishes are. So if I were to donate $100,000 to my high school when I pass away, why not call up uh, the headmaster and the development office and sit down with them and say, look, when I pass away, you're going to get this gift. Here's my intentions for it. What do you think about that? And is, are, are you willing to honor those? Um, because obviously they can't ask you your opinion after you pass away. Yeah. So it's a good idea to put instructions in your estate plan for them. But if you talk with them ahead of time, they can set up a file, they can have notes, and there's no better way for them to understand what you really want 
and for your money to do the good that you want it to do without having a conversation and walking through that with them. Okay, so just something to keep in mind. Now, if it's, and look, I'm not trying to say this is not significant, but a a $3,000 gift, you know, it's good, but I don't think it's anything where you have to have a four-hour conversation with their development office on what it gets used for. Might be worth a phone call, but if we're talking a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm definitely sitting down with that school or that church and saying, "There's a lot of things that you can do with this money. Here's what I want," and make sure that everything's okay and everything's on board. Gotcha. I I know you had one other note you wanted to share for for some of these large organizations that might have an attorney on their staff. How does that affect things? Well, it's interesting, and this is going to sound crass and cold-hearted and almost go against a lot of the things that we talk about here, but you know, the American Red Cross, St. Jude, American Cancer Society, all yeah. these big organizations, and a lot of these hospitals as well, they all have attorneys on staff. One of the things we talk about is setting up a plan in the way to make things as easy as possible, avoid probate, avoid headaches the family doesn't have to deal with the you know the courts and and the legal and and hiring an attorney to get the inheritance when someone passes away when making a gift to these large organizations and i'm not saying don't care but i think i would be less worried if st jude children's research hospital if their attorneys on staff had to probate some money to get it to them they have people on staff that's literally what they do for a living might be a headache but they have the people in-house who can do the job, and it's not going to be a burden to your family. So one thing to keep in mind, you know, you can if you want, but if you spend more time, more money, uh, more hassle to set up a more streamlined probate avoidance plan for them, eh, you have to decide if you're willing to deal with the hassle to make their in-house counsel's life easier after you pass away. Now, Ben, obviously, if they're getting part of it and your family is getting money too, you still want to consider how to make sure that your family's taken care of um, because the in-house counsel will take care of the American Red Cross or something like that, but that's it. Um, so still consider making things easier for your family, but I don't necessarily know that we need to lose sleep at night uh, about whether or not one of the in-house counsel uh, at American Cancer Society uh, has uh, a little bit of work to do on this. So just something to keep in mind uh, when you're considering um, how far to go to make life easier for the people receiving the inheritance. I got gotcha. you. Some very good information. I know this is something that a lot of people think about and are considering with their estate plan, leaving a legacy, trying to make a difference uh, when they're no longer with us and, and, and really making an impact with some special organizations. So if this is something that you have in mind, but don't necessarily have a plan for, you know, make sure you sit down with a, an estate planning attorney and work that out. Um, Nick's obviously there to help anybody in that Cincinnati area across Ohio. So the best thing to do is just contact him via the website, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. You'll find a big button on the front, schedule your, your call with him, schedule your appointment, your free consultation, get that uh, that process underway. But also, we put up all the podcasts. There's a ton of resources there that are just free for you to use to help you learn more about estate planning, uh, the essentials to estate planning, and, and kind of get you in the right direction. But you always want to sit down with an attorney to work it all out. 
All right, Nick, let's close it out on that note. Again, encourage everyone to subscribe if you haven't to the show, follow our podcast wherever you listen. We've got a lot of great feedback, hearing from a lot of people, and we do greatly appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Having fun as always. And I think it's always good to talk about uh, helping out uh, a worthwhile cause. Um, And there's a lot of good organizations out there. If it's something near and dear to your heart, there's a number of ways uh, that you can help out, not only while you're alive, but also leave a legacy after you pass away. You can't take it with you. Um, So do your homework. And if there's a good cause there that uh, you think an inheritance or a donation can move the needle, something to keep in mind. The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office, based in Westchester, Ohio, and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.